0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
1: So we're all recording. Everything's good. I think everything's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As
0: good as we going to get with us.
1: Gentlemen, welcome to the club. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, all right, for listeners at home, Steve has just put on uh, a tinfoil hat. Now, is that, is there something, does that say something, Steve? I can't see you. Oh, it's got a Q.
1: An upside, upside down view,
0: which is just kind of adding to it. It's
1: not upside down. You only see it as upside down because you've had to be enlightened.
0: Right. How long did it, how much did money did you spend on this particular um, apparatus?
1: Well, As I was researching this episode, I came across a website with some lovely gentlemen in the United States of America, I think it's called. Right. And they said if I sent them Bitcoin, like about two Bitcoins, is that a lot? doesn't sound like it, it's only two, that they would... Um, Allow me into their club and tell me about the secrets. And they gave me instructions on how to build this hat.
0: Okay. And uh, what what particular secrets? I know you might not, because we haven't paid the bit of coin that you need to to get to veil such secrets. But could you give us just an example of what particular machinations have been revealed to you?
1: Well, for one, you know the way we all think is the Jews that are running everything. <laughs> okay. Whoa. <We've- laughs> You know, well, you know the way we always talk about that, Richie, before we hit record. (laughs) It's not. Right. It's, it's, it's the Inuits.
0: All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kieran, how are you doing with this energy? I'm not
2: not sure I want to be here anymore. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
1: Let me take off my hat and uh, yeah. Okay. Now I'm just, I'm just another sheeple just like you. That like all
0: jokes aside Karen, in the zoom window you're quite small and you are wearing a red cap so at this particular scale it also looks like you're wearing a similarly crazy crazy <laughs> piece of hat wear
2: to explain yourself? Um, no I've got a lot of red going on at the ginger beard but the hat has a, a cactus and a sun on it so maybe I'm just uh, vicariously living for times where we can actually go out and see It's another sign <laughs>
0: Steve just put back up. Just
1: Oh no, I lost my cue.
0: Oh
2: no. Don't worry. It's it's not a it's not a bad thing. You can you can lead that
0: goal. Did, did this goal open go as you, as you
1: thought Steve. Is this is This is exactly what the Eskimos planned.
0: <laughs> okay, whoa. And roll the theme music. Karen, before we get into it, I have a question for you. And now I'm very, I'm kind of reluctant to ask this question because it could destroy one of the most purest memories I have in my head. One of the most purest sources of joy, this anecdote that I constantly bring up with people. But I ju- it's it's one of those things where I almost feel like it's urban legend at this point and I need to get confirmation. Your name is Kieran O'Connor, by way of introductions. We haven't done that properly yet. But is it true that when we were in DCU, Back in the heyday of fraping back when everyone would go around and you know if you had your laptop open with Facebook on it, you'd do something you know hilarious with the with that did someone take your Facebook page and start an event a public event called Cockfest? <laughs> 2012 or something and invite every other kieran o'connor coc to
2: cockfest 2012 yeah i still know i know who it was and every every now and then less now the last few years but let's say up to 2015 or 16 i'd get a friend request accepted by one of the (laughs) kieran (laughs) o'connors just a fellow a fellow cock was it Limmy? No, it was uh, Sean. He did he did tech for the for the radio station we were, which is where the, your 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 Facebook account was always open there because you were using it. So, and then you'd you know someone come and just do a drive by fraping uh, and ruin you <laughs> in twenty seconds. So Cockfest was a thing for a time. Yeah,
0: Cockfest is a thing. of beauty. That's
2: not that's brand building. <laughs> that's brand
0: building. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, I just yeah. Oh, I feel so much happier now knowing that that's actually because I've been telling that story even recently. <laughs> About Cockfest 2012 uh, and how beautiful and pure it was. Um, so I'm glad.
2: I'd forgot all about the Cockfest side of it. Maybe I compartmentalized it quite successfully, but I did remember the the mass friend requests of Kieran O'Connor's. That I, I think I was able to see the people that he had, you know, requested. I think it was like over 20 Kieran O'Connor's. <laughs> <laughs> Powerful stuff. Oh. Uh,
0: so anyway, th- welcome to What on Politics. This is a uh, public service podcast celebrating <laughs> Cockfest uh, year in, year out. Uh, I know the pandemic has brought a halt to Cockfest 2020. We were hoping to get Cockfest 2021 back on the cards, but it looks like it's going to be an entirely virtual event. So links to tickets in the, <laughs> in the show notes below for Cockfest. Tickets are a very reasonable uh, €550. Euro. <laughs> we're what's Cock- the li- what's the lineup this year, <laughs> You're on for
2: Cockfest. Uh, we've got an un- we've got a real up and coming artist a musician called Kieran O'Connor. He's going to open things on a Friday night and then we've got we've got spoken word from the one and only spoken word artist Kieran O'Connor on on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. By uh, and Sunday afternoon there's a a vegan cookery roadshow virtual roadshow by the vegan roadshow chef Kieran O'Connor as well it's going to be we're, 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 we're not fun. we're not sparing any expense this year <laughs> hell, hell of a lineup, beautiful.
1: beautiful <laughs> these look, cocks we just get we, bigger every year
0: that's it every year <laughs> uh, this is, ladies and gentlemen this is going to be the biggest cock yet <laughs> so get your tickets unfortunately Steve and I uh, we can't make our money from, from such successful festivals like Ciarán can uh, we have to peddle pedal podcast ads which we're going to do now but it's not too bad because these guys are actually pretty sound uh, it's season two of 180 degrees a podcast by the sustainable energy authority of ireland
1: this is all about what your local community can do to become more energy efficient 180 degrees is a podcast that tries to answer these questions by sharing the stories of people across ireland who are working
2: towards a cleaner energy future
0: uh tell me karen is cockfest like a green enterprise is it how sustainable it is are we talking here
2: it's it's entirely green. It's uh, self fulfilling and self powered by our own um, hot it's air awesome. and self confidence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so then maybe you can you can uh, make a guest appearance on 180 degrees uh, to sustainable energy podcast brought to you by SEAI,
1: supported by the government of Ireland, supported by the government of Ireland. Again, a good thing
0: that they do. <laughs> um, and maybe maybe you know, they'll get their own little uh, tent in the in the artsy area of cockfests uh 2021.
2: 20
0: they, they can picture themselves. <laughs> anyway, Kieran, I feel like we've I, I don't know, like we haven't done a proper introduction, but I feel like we the listeners know you very very well as the proprietor of Cockfest, uh wearer of a red hat. And
1: Richie, you know the way that mm-hmm. I've like spun off and tried to do loads of other podcasts solo. <laughs> yes. And none of them have worked. How many? Do you want to count? How many? I on three, I think, and they've all failed. But I think Kieran <laughs> appeared on two of those. I but now, was yeah, so he the reason they failed? No, definitely not. That was all down the to Harbinger
0: this point. of a failing podcast is Kieran O'Connor, like the Grim Reaper. He shows up. Well, I hope not, because
1: this is his first
2: <laughs> time on one out politics. The Venn diagram is not looking looking good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Kieran, you've been a mate of mine for a very long time, back in DCU days, but. The reason we have you on now is to talk about the kind of work that you do. So before we get into the topic and your expertise on that, what exactly do you do as a job?
2: After a few years working as journalist, kind of on open source, kind of verifying amateur video with a company called Storyful, kind of moved into what was called the news intelligence team, which was trying to track misinformation, disinformation online. After 2016, when we had the Brexit referendum and the US presidential election, a lot of news organizations and institutions kind of all came around to the same idea that we need to think better about how we understand and tackle you know, fake information or people pushing fake information for political reasons often. Uh, online, and that's where a lot of the kind of misinformation, disinformation analysis or teams came out of that. So, I worked with Storyful doing that for two years, and then I recently joined a different company called or a think tank called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, where I am a disinformation analyst. And what that means is that I spend my days tracking the spread of uh, mis and disinformation around topics and events. Uh, as well as extremist groups online and trying to understand, trying to reverse engineer where this stuff comes from.
0: Does it hurt your brain? If you're, if you're spending eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, whatever it is, going through all of this stuff, like does it ever hurt your opinion of humanity and the trajectory it's on? <laughs> or 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 does it make you optimistic because you're able, you know, you're in a position to help solve the problem? Like how how, how are you dealing with it?
2: I think the empowering side of it is probably the thing that keeps me, uh, able to keep going able, able and happy to work in this space there is a very clear very distinguishable area of, of vicarious trauma from people who work you know tracking terrorist attacks video uh, videos on all day every day and, and burnout can be a real thing for people who work in this space uh, I'm lucky that it doesn't affect me I'm able to kind of compartmentalize it and when I finish yeah. when I finish my day I kind of leave it behind me I'm still looking on Twitter I use Twitter all the time but not looking at it in a serious way. And I can I can just switch off. I'm quite lucky. I know other people do need uh, help. I mean, the company I work with right now provide counsellors depending on the work you do. So there is regular check-in sessions and the same in a previous company as well that companies are aware that their staff are looking at these things in day in, day out. So they do help take care of it. But by and large, uh, I think I'm mostly unaffected <laughs> except for those night terrors. <laughs> No,
1: yeah, well, I mean, you just get shitfaced and shout into the abyss every couple of weeks. It's fine. This is the way I've coped the last five years. Yes. Uh, That's what that was. Yeah. So ever since
0: being
2: back in Ireland, sometimes in the dead and night, I just hear mm-hmm. on the wind. <laughs> Towards the west of Ireland, you just hear this man crying maniacally. Um, so,
1: OK, let's get down to the, the meat and gravy. We're here for QAnon, the most famous of the conspiracies these days. Before we get into the specifics about what it is as, as a political societal function can you tell us what q and people believe
2: yeah so at the outset gotta say that all of this is completely baseless you
1: unverified
2: that. unfounded in any <laughs> on go the tinfoil hat <laughs> and my hat's gonna go backwards it's time to play baseball here um,
1: <laughs> that's not how you play baseball
2: <laughs> if you are a QAnon believer, a QAnon supporter. You believe that there are, there's deep state elites, democratic politicians, celebrities. You believe that these are members of the cabal and that these people are satanistic, child trafficking, child sacrificing paedophiles and that they use their positions of power to kidnap and torture children. And they do this to force children to produce this chemical called adrenochrome. And that is that a real you, chemical? I don't think so. I think okay. it's it's. It, 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 I don't think so. No, I think it was in it was in a Hunter S. Thompson book, uh, okay. maybe Fear and Loathing. It's like Medichlorin from Star Wars. Yeah, you believe that the children produce this under under duress or however, um, and then you believe that these these members of the Cabal consume this chemical for its life extending qualities or or whatever whatever floats your boat. So you believe that this is going on and then you also believe that the only person who can stop this and who was working to stop this was Donald Trump. And that Donald Trump was a white knight and that he was battling the state and that the event under which all this you know, this would actually happen was called the storm. So QAnon followers were always waiting for the storm to happen, to come. There was various false dawns uh, the whole thing is a false dawn. And then Trump left office, and a lot of QAnon followers were disappointed.
0: Richie, had you heard that before? So I'd heard about the, the child trafficking, that end of it. I didn't know about the chemical end, end of it. So I didn't know about that Scientology level of <laughs> craziness to it.
2: And the, the chemical side of things isn't even kind of true Q. That's actually a carryover of. Uh, another conspiracy called Pizzagate, which uh, is is a forerunner to QAnon. Uh, around 2017, when Hillary Clinton's emails and her, and her campaign staff's emails were leaked, her campaign manager John Podesta's emails were leaked. And in amongst his emails, there was lots of references to Cheese Pizza and Comet Pizza, which is a pizzeria in Washington, D.C., and conspiracy theorists basically believed that all these, you know, references to cheese pizza were actually coded messages, and cheese pizza in particular was CP cheese pizza, but was actually supposedly a coded message for child pornography. And then they believed that there the were constant references to Comet Pizza was because supposedly in the basement of this pizzeria they were carrying out these child rituals, you know, and to produce. Adrenochrome, whatever. So that particular part of the, of the QAnon conspiracy wait, is, a, is is part of PizzaGate, which kind of got enveloped in QAnon as it got off the ground. But
1: there was a consequence of that one, like an actual
2: person showed up there. Yeah, in with a gun in December, three guns. December twenty sixteen, a guy a guy drove from North Carolina to D.C., which it's it's a long drive, it's across a couple of states, right? And he he barged into Comet Pizza demanding. To, you know, for the children to be set free, and he, and, he, and he fired a gun into the roof of the place, which was like an open restaurant with families eating dinner.
1: I'll play it. There's a recording of of him being detained, and I'll, I'll insert that here.
2: Oh, you're doing in the location? Yeah. Make sure there's nothing there. Regarding, was, you Regarding what? Is pedophile ring. Regarding what? Pedophile ring. Pizza gate. What weapons do you have back there? 38 AR 15. I Got a pocket knife in the right pocket. Like, that's the biggest example of. Uh, a QAnon or a pizza gate conspiracy theorist going postal basically but like there was another example of a guy I think it was 2017 he pulled his truck uh, over to Hoover Dam and stopped traffic for an hour and a half demanding that the the government release this report about Hillary Clinton's crimes and it was found that he was also acting on his uh, belief in QAnon conspiracy theories as well and then there's smaller examples here and there but the, the, the Comet Pizza one was the was the original yeah
0: So you mentioned like these isolated incidents and the the forerunners, the QAnon, but when did this seed take hold? Like what are the origins as far back as we can actually trace? Like how long has it been around?
2: Yeah, it started on 4chan, which pretty quick synopsis of 4chan. It's an image board where there's forums, community boards for lots of pretty nasty topics. But the most infamous board on 4chan is the poll board, the politically incorrect board, which is... It's basically a a race for people to be as offensive or deranged as possible. But in late October 2017, someone posting on the poll board calling themselves Q, which was a reference to the Q level of security clearance um, within the US government, i.e. they had a high level of security clearance. Is
1: that real? Is Is that Q level security thing real?
2: Yeah, the Q level security is a reference to... A Department of Energy, like level of security. So it's it's not like the whole government has Some this random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a, a message from Q is known as a drop and a Q drop, you know, it, it, it's references. It's it's it leaves a lot for the person to try and piece together. It speaks almost in like military code. First message was H.R.C. Hillary Rodham Clinton. H.R.C. extradition already in motion effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross border run uh usms us marines will conduct the operation while ng national Guard activated locate an ng member and ask them if they are activated for duty on the 10th and the 3rd across most major cities and i think that the national guard were activated that that week or that weekend for you know like flood damage or something along the lines of like civic uh operations
1: the chances of of them being activated is like high they would probably yeah. be reactivated most weekends
2: yeah, it's like asking, you know, go, go and find a police officer who's doing a checkpoint on the road. You know, there's a, you're, you're bound to find somebody eventually, that kind of thing. But from the start on 4chan, you know, there just seemed to be general interest. And then what happened was a couple of kind of what we later term QAnon influencers kind of got behind this and they started to produce YouTube videos. They started to, they created a, a subreddit about this, started to tweet about it and basically sow the seeds for the beginnings of what became the wider QAnon community. Now, Q itself, or the person or people posting his Q, was, a, was able to be verified as that person using something called trip codes, which I don't understand the full technical size, but essentially it's a way for the board operators on, on 4chan to verify this is the same person as before posting as as Q. There was a little bit of a a tussle not long after QAnon started posting where someone else was able to figure out the, the code and post his Q and QAnon moved to 8chan, which, I mean, if you think that 4chan is bad, (laughs) 8chan. It's just basic maths, Kieran.
1: (laughs) It's It's twice as bad. (laughs) Can I jump in here? So this is something I've never fully understood. Is when you say Q has posted and the understanding that Q posted on 4chan, Q now posts on 8chan. So does that mean that these Q posts actually come from one person who is Q? I always thought it was just like... I would try and write something randomly that could be interpreted as being one of the Q posts, and then anybody could try and do that. But is that not true? It is actually coming from one individual or one group of people.
2: Yes, one one source. Now, the identity of Q is its own kind of subset of the coverage and research and investigation to all this, but it's generally believed that there was a small group of maybe three people, I think, at the beginning of, of all of this, but... Via these things called trip codes, the person who had previously posted as Q, i.e., Q, was able to verify coming back each time that Q was posting again. And the same methodology carried over to 8chan. QAnon kept posting from from November 2017 onwards uh, throughout 2018. You kind of see so the way, if you think about QAnon, is that you have 4chan. 8chan, and now it's known as 8kun. But the way to think about it is if you kind of have like the central node of the network of Q drops, very few people will, well, if you consider millions of people, the true believers will go to Q and we will go to 4chan, will go to 8chan, will go to 8kun. But there are aggregator sites who will automatically share a Q drop That'll then be mass tweeted out or put on Facebook. And Reddit, YouTube. Yeah. And that's the wider, and that's that's how QAnon really went global and hit mass scale. And from there, then there was just, it was just, it was a self-powering engine where you had people who were trying to debunk these cryptic past these cryptic uh, drops, trying to find out, you know, what was the reference to, to certain things, trying to carry out their own investigations and, and waiting for the storm, which was supposed to come i don't know <laughs> dozens of times but it this never is, came yeah
1: this is what i want to ask as well so uh, these these drops usually hint that there's going to be some some pivotal hero action that's going to happen mm-hmm. usually by trump and that it would it would result in then this cabal of of pedophiles and children killers being taken down and it's kind of like the apocalypse, apocalypse cults that are, that come and go, that they're like, it's going to happen on the 5th of March. It's going to happen on the 5th of March. 5th of March passes and then nothing happens and the apocalypse cult fades away. And yet Q keeps on repeating and repeating and repeating. How do they get away with predicting something's going to happen on the 5th of March, nothing happening, and then it continues to go?
2: Yeah, I mean, you could ask the same about multiple cults, which is why it's it's a helpful way to describe QAnon Christianity. As, the, as, as the world's... As the world's First digital cult, uh, the first the truly online digital cult, where all these prophecies fail to materialize, but it it doesn't it doesn't actually affect. Well, well a good way of looking at it is also is after January twentieth, when Trump left office, uh, a lot of people were posting that this was all BS. This is not what it was claimed to. Be. We've all been sold a lie here, but. What also happened was that the QAnon influencers, the people who have YouTube channels with tens of thousands of subscribers built off the back of decoding Q drops, they doubled down. And they said that, you know what, there's actually a deeper meaning here that we haven't quite cracked yet. And we actually have to work harder to try and figure out what's going on. So after all these failed uh, prophecies, the storm supposedly coming time and time again, it only furthered... A lot of people resolve in this and the fact that trump was was still in office and the storm could still come and that's why a lot of people believe january the 6th was possibly the storm but i mean it also survives because of that kind of gamification that's involved in do your own research that ethos is very empowering that the answers are there the truth the idea of the truth being there if only you can work through it and crack it that's mm. a very empowering and powerful thing especially in the last year when there's every everything our whole way of life has been turned upside down and it, people are quite vulnerable people feel powerless and they're searching for answers and that gamification that empowering people allowing followers or helping followers to try and decrypt what these what these messages are that's very and that just helps you to roll on to the next time and try and figure out what we actually missed in the eyes of these Q followers. You
0: mentioned there the <clears throat> storming into the Capitol and the riots that, that unfolded being part of this. But can we explore a little bit further, like how exactly did the the Q and non conspiracy fuel that particular fire? Like how much of the activity that happened that day mm-hmm. in the Capitol, how much of that was Q um either either directly or, or tangentially, like you say.
2: I think a healthy way of looking at January the 6th, I mean, uh, obviously we all know January the 6th didn't just happen in a vacuum. The people who stormed the Capitol, but also the people who went there to protest in favour of Trump, they were all, that, that's the culmination of four or more years of political myths and disinformation, far-right conspiracy theories, uh, pro-Trump misinformation that's just been spread online, a lot of it read by QAnon, QAnon followers. What really kind of set the tone for January the 6th was November the 3rd and onwards. Prior to November the 3rd, we all know that President Trump was repeatedly putting out claims uh, that voter fraud was rampant. Uh, it was systematically in place across the US, that sowing the seeds that people, his supporters should not trust the election results if Trump lost. If Trump won, then of course <laughs> it was all hunky-dory. But... After November the 3rd, when results didn't go the way for Trump and his supporters, what we really saw was these voter fraud claims. And from November the 3rd to January the 6th, QAnon believers acted as the the driving force for voter fraud claims. And, And very quickly, these claims just explode because QAnon followers are very successful at using the structures of social media to amplify things that support their claims. So when we think about what happened and kind of what led to January 6th, QAnon followers were really acting as the momentum, the mobilizing force for these claims and priming people to believe that their republic was being stolen from them and that Trump did win the election and that the Democrats uh, illegitimately are stealing uh, the American the American Republic and that you need to do something about it this is the last stand and that apocalyptic idea of uh, we need to defend America and defend US values defend Trump and what he stands for freedom essentially was baked into all those claims from from November the 3rd all the way up to January the 6th and uh, a lot of people who turned up I mean not all People who turned up in January 6 were QAnon followers, but a lot of QAnon followers were there on the day. Mm,
0: they had that mobility and that like practice of taking things online to offline and organizing themselves, which I guess can be a catalyst for you know your plain vanilla crazy people <laughs> to latch on to.
2: <laughs> yeah, like not not all Trump supporters are QAnon supporters, yeah, but all QAnon supporters are Trump supporters. Are Trump supporters, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's pretty accurate, yeah.
1: Richie, I'm gonna pose a question to you. Uh oh. How dam how damaging do you think these theories are to democracy? Because actually, before we start that, let's just say it's starting to see starting to leak into everywhere. It's not just the United States anymore. There are QAnon spin-offs in Ireland, the UK, across Europe. So it's clearly spreading. So Richie, do you think does this sound like a big threat?
0: Yeah. It was interesting hearing uh, you, Karen, talk about the kind of epicenter of this and in my mind i was imagining just like a very concentrated thick black liquid right that's very dense and very clearly like a bad thing but for me where it gets very dangerous is when it it gets picked up like you say and disseminated and then diluted yeah. and it's okay to say something's like bad and crazy and weird when it's on hn or 8 and wherever it is and it's it's like in compartmentalized within this like under this label that you can very clearly go, that's them and they're weird and that's crazy. But when it gets diluted and disseminated and washed down to where it's appearing on Instagram in a much more kind of, and not much more, but like a more palatable sense, I guess, this idea of undermining your your institutions, this idea of inherent distrust, this idea that there is so, someone pulling the strings for nefarious reasons and it's up to you to use violence. Like that is the level I'm more worried about
2: is the dissemination. And QAnon followers have have already found ways, like even last summer, to to reimagine, to repurpose the conspiracy. I mean, central to the conspiracy is this idea of protecting children, right? And last summer, what we really saw, what happened was that QAnon followers started piggybacking off the Save the Children movement and, and adopting hashtag Save the Children or hashtag Save our Children. And this was then became known as the softer edge of QAnon because <clears throat> this is when QAnon really exploded from March to July 2020. Uh, some research that some of my colleagues did found that, you know, the number of posts about QAnon on Facebook alone tripled and it just it ballooned because people were online. People were looking for answers. But then also here came along, as you said, something that's very palatable. Everybody... Everybody wants to protect endangered children against mm-hmm. any any kind of... Um, you should forces. make assumptions for everybody, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to speak for everybody, but most sane and good people and all that, here comes a for that. But what happened from June, July onwards with that uh, with this kind of rebranding of, say, the children, QAnon... Not with the name, but with the, the the DNA of the movement, just exploded. And one researcher into QAnon calls this the pastel QAnon takeover, where we see yoga influencers, we see mm. new health people on Instagram, we see mothers or or, or 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 boomers, we see older people get into QAnon because they don't they don't actually know. Yeah. It had, QAnon
0: had a glow up. It had a rebrand. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's talk about then, let's talk about this, the mechanics of how this is being spread around because it's not being, you know, posted on, on notice boards in the town centre it's not being mailed around. It's being facilitated by, you know, the technology that we're using every day, Facebook, Twitter, all these various social media platforms. How much of this is on them? Kieran and steve as well for for not moderating this more like how, how responsible are they in 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 all of this big tech are they yeah
2: big tech in general yeah yeah i think they have a very big role to answer for in this i mean to their credit facebook google which owns youtube and twitter have taken sweeping action in the last six months i mean october the 6th was the the day when facebook said okay no QAnon content gone sweeping it out of there and it, and it largely now you can still find straight posts but the, the groups that were sharing this content were just gone in a moment's notice uh, YouTube followed swiftly on October the 16th I think so what they have by and large removed it from their content but that was October 2020 which is almost three years later when especially from kind of mid-2019 onwards it allowed through through its recommendation algorithms and 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 suggesting people join groups in the case of Facebook, getting people to join groups where they you know you go you go looking you go asking questions about aliens <laughs> and then you end up I don't know claim, believing that Hillary Clinton did such and such a thing, but these groups like no no one in Facebook or YouTube who works there has set out to force people down these rabbit holes, but through the systems they've created. Through the misunderstanding of their own platforms uh, and the mechanics of it, they they allowed people to to get this. And like I said, that that this kind of QAnon stuff can be quite empowering for people. And I mean, another myth that I'd always try and bring up when I'm talking about QAnon is that people will say that QAnon. How how can anyone believe this stuff? How who 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 could possibly fall for this stuff? A lot of these people. I mean, most of them, <laughs> the tin hat, like. A lot of people are smart or they're educated or, you know, they're just that. And you could say the same about uh, people who fall or fall under kind of COVID uh, conspiracies as well. These conspiracies offer a simplistic solution to a complex problem or a complex question you have in your mind. Um, And what Facebook and YouTube and Twitter did in, in these cases, that they allowed people who, again, QAnon influencers who wanted to get you to buy their T-shirts or want you to go and buy their book on Amazon or to subscribe to their YouTube channel so they could then run ads against that. They allowed those people to use social media to to maximize their content, which was pro-Q. And then off the back of that, people go and they find it and they go down the rabbit hole. And, you know, uh, big tech, big tech platforms are uh, very culpable for the spread of QAnon. And I, I hope, I I hope they, they learned their lessons. I don't know if you have though. Yeah. I
1: would kind of agree with that. Like, I I think it was important to point out that nobody in these big tech companies actually set out to see this happen. So it's, it's almost like a consequence of a new technology that we're only getting used to. Um, they just don't know what they created when they created it. And they they misdesigned their algorithms, as you said, to push people towards these things as they went down the different rabbit holes on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. But I would also lay some blame at the political and cultural systems that we have today, that economic systems that we have today, that people are so lost, basically, in their lives that they that they've that they're so they happily go down these rabbit holes. Like mm-hmm. there are people who are unsure about their job security, who may have already lost their jobs, who are unsure about all different things. The world is changing so fast and so quickly. And to a large extent, these political figures that Q dresses up as being evil cabal children killers, they are already so removed from the general populace that it's it doesn't take much of a leap to think, okay, yeah, that's true. They're there and they're out to get me. So maybe the political system's fault as well for not actually engaging with people before that and letting and letting, leaving the door open for that to happen. But at the same time, I would also blame people themselves because <laughs> yeah. this is the world. This is, it, it, there are no shadowy figures controlling the, the the levers of power. Like, I mean, it's a system created by humans that's inherently imperfect, will never be perfect and will always be broken. And it, there will be shifts in power and shifts in economy and shifts in everything that are going to affect you. And I think it's up to yourself to figure out how to deal with that. And to not lose yourself to such an extent that you can fall down these holes Mm. and be taken by such evil nonsense, basically, (laughs) to be taken for a ride. So uh, you need to be strong in yourself and and to to be able to to deal with the the torment of life without doing that.
0: That's a really interesting point, Steve. I was reading The Expanse at at your behest and I came across a quote, which I highlighted and saved because I knew it would be relevant to this but it's about conspiracy theories from James Holden who says, conspiracy theories come up whenever people feel like the universe is too random, absurd. If it's all an enemy plot, at least there's someone calling the shots. And I think it's that the idea, it's that dissonance where you're reckoning with the fact that the universe is a chaotic place that doesn't make sense and the lives that we carve out are just f- not fictions, but they're, they're, they are a story that we tell ourselves to make sense of a world that doesn't make sense. And at least when it comes to conspiracy theories, if there is an enemy, if there is a puppet master pulling strings, at least that's something that you can make sense of. And what's much scarier and much harder to wrap your head around is the idea that there isn't and that this is just life. (laughs) And that's a harder thing that requires way more introspection to fully comprehend. But I think it's an important reckoning that you need to have.
1: You need to realize when it comes to
0: any conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah. You need to realize you are a speck of stardust in an infinite universe. You are nothing, but be okay with that. <laughs> but that's also
0: beautiful at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? There's a beauty in that if you can find. Yeah. God, we got very deep all of a sudden, but it's true. <laughs> there is like, there is, there is a beauty in that you are a speck of stardust, but that's beautiful in its own way. Just, you need to make peace with that. Well, that's what the lizard yeah. told you to
1: say.
2: <laughs> the
0: universe spoken like a true sheeple
2: <laughs> the universe is indifferent and nobody cares <laughs> but also that 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 idea of quickly just that, that idea of you can do something about it which is which is why so many of these COVID conspiracies like that this is all planned this is actually these these liberal politicians are actually using this as cover for something else that's quite an empowering ethos to have when it's not the truth I'm sorry but there's just a shitty virus that spread across no, the world they took the pubs from us they did it on <laughs> purpose I've seen I've, the plans I always I always uh, love the take that I saw I saw online a few months ago was that some fella ate a bat in China and that's why Sligo and Mayo can't play football this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the fucking world that we
1: live in today, people. Fucking get used to it. Right, come here, Kieran.
2: So if you were if we were if we were
1: driving down to the festival next time, as we have been wanting to do, and we had a mate in the back, I'm not gonna say if it's my mate or your mate, but it probably is your mate. And he turns around to us and he says, Lads, I'll tell you. I, I've seen it, I figured it out. I've been on to uh twenty-seven cont or whatever the website is called. Mm and I know, I know what's what, uh, how should we approach that? How, how do you talk to a friend or a relative or a stranger at a bar when they open again? How, how do you, how do you approach people? Because to be honest, I think it's only going to get more prevalent. So it's something that, it's something that people who, who really know the truth need to be able to talk about. So like, how do we do it?
2: Yeah, well, if it's not, if it's not COVID, if it's, if it's not queuing on, it's it's, it could be COVID or it could be Climate or it Climate change. Be, and, and, you know, yeah, exactly. First thing, the most important thing to say is that there's no silver bullet. There's no one thing you that can do or, or there's no one link you can send them and that's it. Job done. Well, apart from uh, this episode.
0: X, this episode.
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: This show, We've done it. If you pay me 25 euros every month, I can get them off. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Kieran,
1: it's five euros <laughs> plus fat.
2: <laughs> no, look, um, some things, generally things that don't work are sharing news links and sharing facts or author- like a bbc author- article authoritative debunks of the conspiracy because that just actually forces people to insulate themselves in their beliefs because this is it something like the is it called like the the theory of embarrassment or something where you don't want to admit to information that shows you in a bad light or you know you know what i'm getting at there the idea that no, you I, don't, no I don't show no, off <laughs> <laughs> very good um the thing that i i've read and i generally agree with is you need to help these people see Cells or, or ask questions themselves and the way that i would recommend doing that is just if they're if they're if they're telling you something about some conspiracy ask them first of all where they got that information was it a link that was sent to them in a group chat of a thousand people where you can't actually stand over the person who sent the link and if there is a link then you can say okay what's the youtube channel um is it the bbc or is it some guy who broadcasts, uh, you know, to whatever three hour videos giving off, you know, is, 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 is someone who, you know, what are their sources and just try and help them ask their own questions about, can I believe this? And if there's something glaringly obvious that, you know, you can prove, then it might be a good way to do that. But you kind of have to hold their hand. And it, it's generally friends and family rather than fact checkers who will get someone to, to come out of a conspiracy.
0: I guess it also comes down to the stuff we were talking about earlier, those Steve that you were pointing out like the frustrations with the world and the system and like identify rather than treating the symptoms, you know, go down to what's what's causing it. Yeah. and treating those and like identifying maybe well what in their life is causing them the frustration that they need to seek out answers if any and maybe deal with that more so than the well i mean conspiracy as a whole yeah, yeah, what, yeah, what,
1: yeah. I, what i was alluding to is about how fucked up the world is and will continue to be so i don't know if that's necessarily something that you can solve for your mate but i think no but it's like
0: we were saying like helping them reconcile with that yeah like with how fucked up the world yeah. is and I like think- have
1: that conversation rather than you're nuts. (laughs) I think the most important thing to do, and it is incredibly difficult for us woke sheeple is to, uh, is to try and stay friends with them, to to try and Mm -hmm. like stomach it as much as you can. And I mean, this is genuine practical advice that I find hard to take myself because Mm. it's really difficult to listen to this bullshit when someone is spouting it off at you. All you want to do is fucking flip the table and go, what's wrong with you? But if you can, Mm. if you can just listen, Debunk gently, as Kieran was suggesting, and like Richie is suggesting, try and you know keep in your mind that this is probably not coming because they have genuinely read something that has brought them to it. They were already in a place where what they have read was was able to take hold. So stick with them, prod them every so often to point them towards the clearer path, and then maybe at the end they might come back off the darkness and and come back into the light. Yeah, yeah, it's empathy always empathy, I think. With any of these things,
0: empathy first always. I understand that. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> and on that note, Carolyn, thank you so much. This was a very. This could have been a very dense, awful, horrible subject to talk about, but you made it very parsable and understandable. And there I say, you know, maybe appealing as a, as, a, as a way of life and as <laughs> thing to look into.
1: No, I'm kidding. Of course, we will be grand um, wizards.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you, Kieran for for coming along. That was Caron's a grand wonderful. wizard, you know.
1: He's grand. Yeah, you're, he's a grand wizard.
2: <laughs> Thanks, grand. guys. Thanks very much. It's it's a pleasure and a privilege to be on the pod. And if you want
0: more of the pod, uh, you can join over at HeadStuff Plus. i just a link in the show notes. Steve and I just recorded prior to talking to Kieran a new episode where we try and figure out what president we are, which American president through history we are, and also which. Uh, do we want to spoil it here, Steve, or do actually? No. No, no. Which child? Like, there's a very specific. I'm gonna, I'm forgot to spoil it. Which Teletubby we are? There, I said it. <laughs> so you can figure out, you can find out which president and which Teletubby we are. Um, over at dot and at one on politics on Instagram and on Twitter one on politics at gmail.com Kieran where can people find you?
2: You can get me on the Twitter at Kieran O'Connor C-I-A-R-A-N-O-C-O There's no point spelling it out at Kieran O'Connor on Twitter
1: Yeah Or at show 2022
2: <laughs> If you search for Kieran O'Connor on Facebook you might find one of my many uh, my They many all look
1: exactly the same people It's very weird This is the new yeah. This is the C I am C <laughs> I am telling you about the new conspiracy We are all here on They are all Kieron on. We are living in a <laughs> Cock world controlled by Cock Uh Okay, okay that, Cox. Sounds,
0: that sounds to me like a pretty good world. Let's, Let's sign off, Cox. perfectly Let's sign off. Cox way. In cock we trust. Fantastic. <laughs> this show is part of
2: the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the podcast studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer, and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats.